0: And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing.
0: Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low-maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And tonight
1: on the show, we're talking with returning guest Jan Johnson and her new book, Floratopia, 110 Flower Garden Ideas for Your Yard, Patio or Balcony, which is packed with colorful photos, exploring the many flower varieties for spaces of all sizes and addressing common garden gardening questions and providing great tips for gardeners of all skill levels. Have a question for Jan? Have a question for Matt and I? We would love for you to join the conversation. Send your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com.
0: That's right. And for those of you who maybe uh, are just being first introduced to Jan, a little bit about her, uh, Jan Johnson began her professional life in Japan as a lands in a landscape architecture office. She has been a principal in landscape design firm Johnson Landscape Design and Pools, based in Westchester, New York for more than 30 years. Her natural design approach is evident in the landscapes that she shares in her books, Heaven is a Garden, The Spirit of Stone, and Garden Topia. And of course, the book Joanne just mentioned that we're going to look at tonight, uh, Floratopia. So welcome to the show, Jan.
2: Thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be
1: back. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you here. So I could talk to you every week, you know. (laughs) great. So I'm curious. So I have all four of your books that I am uh, a huge fan, as you know. So and I when I ordered, you know, Heaven is a Garden and then Spirit of Stone. But the other your two Garden Topia and Floratopia are a slightly different kind of book. So yeah. what ins- what inspired
2: the change, or what? uh did well, they a, come about? So, so um, the the two books, Garden Topia, Florotopia, as as you mentioned, they're much larger. They're kind of like on the coffee table end kind of scale, end of the that scale. Yes.
0: Um,
2: and um, with much larger photos, right, and all of that. But I also wrote them as as individual illustrated tips. So that for example, Garden Topia, which really talks about creating beautiful outdoor spaces, a lot of garden design tips and all that. I um it is it's got a, a a tip called, say for example, lure of the sheltered corner, and then I illustrate that and I describe what that means. And, and I wrote it because the way, the way it came about is very interesting. I teach at the New York Botanic Gardens. And I also for seven years taught at Columbia University, a uh, landscape design uh, studio there. And invariably, someone in these landscape design classes would raise their their hand and say to me, what are the rules? And I would say, there are no rules as you two both know. You have to know scale, proportion, you have to know soil, you have to know drainage, but that didn't satisfy them. They wanted rules, and uh, so I, I, when I went out to my job sites, because you know that's what I do—landscape design and build. I've been doing it for forty-five years. Um, I would go out there and i would say oh well that could be a rule although i don't like the name word rule i like the word basic design basic so i would give it a fun name and i would take a few photos and i i put together a, a powerpoint from my class which it was very popular people like that you know and after i got about 40 of these things i thought you know i really should share this i should share this with a wider audience and so that's how the uh the whole idea came about. And that's how the the format with the individual illustrated tips came about. And it's very popular, obviously. So my my floratopia book, which is about flowers, I said, why bother messing up a good thing? Let me keep it the same way. illustrated tips. So you could be drinking a cup of coffee in the morning or tea. and, And you're not, you don't have to read the whole book, you just open it up to whatever page and read that one with all the captions, and
0: you learn something, I hope. Um, Yeah, it's definitely filled with um, wonderful, wonderful tips. Um, One of the things that I think caught both Joanne and uh, my attention was how you recommend um, not cutting back our perennials. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah, and so that's becoming more of a trend, and we have always recommended not doing that um, as well do you want to maybe elaborate on that tip in your book for our listeners yes i have actually i have that in
2: floritopia where i talk about uh, quote winterizing your garden and and what to do and of course you know people always think well you just got to cut down the flowers you have a bunch of coneflowers and they are kind of passed and we'll just cut them down for the winter no 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 coneflowers is part of the natural ecosystem as you probably know has has seeds that goldfinch birds goldfinches love oil rich seeds and so keep them standing you're helping the environment and also you know just like uh, pete aldolf uh, has taught out everybody we're here to learn to appreciate the uh, the brown time of year i like to call it you know appreciate it when it's in its dormant phase as well so it's not don't see it as messy see it as kind
0: of a subtle subtle scene from fall or winter yeah no that is wonderful um yeah because that that season that brown season is is so important and supports uh you know such a diverse uh cross-section of the garden and its habitats and that cycle uh that it goes through
2: and and the grasses even though the grass the ornamental grasses might over the course of the winter as you know kind of flop over and look a little messy they are so important for overwintering i'll give you a great example too where i live we don't hardly have any fireflies anymore and the reason we have no fireflies is because they overwinter in kind of like leaf piles or whatever
0: that's i love that you said that because um i also teach Uh, here at Durham College in the whore program, and we were creating lists of plants and discussing, you know, plants that fit different situations. And one of my students today said that exact, that very thing, is that she's left, started to leave the garden more natural, letting it go through its cycle. And over the last five to six years, she noticed that fireflies have started to return back to her neighborhood uh, because those sites... Have started yeah. to appear, and it just right,
2: we, right. I mean, people just go crazy with the leaf blowers and just blow all the leaves away, and there's nothing nowhere for these uh, insects to overwinter. It's really it creates havoc by the whole ecosystem.
1: But do you find it's hard? Like it's hard to get people to buy into it. Like harder than I expect. Like the keener gardeners, yes. But I know in my neighborhood, and and my house, um, my house came is a corner house that came with a pool. So my whole garden is in my front yard. So I, uh, you know, I have very little lawn and all garden that all my neighbors like absolutely enjoy all summer long. I'm sure, but, yeah. But now and all fall, like all seasons, but they've all tidied up their gardens and cut everything back, and I can literally see the looks. Like I was weeding and I was, <laughs> I was actually planting a Japanese maple yesterday. Crazy, right. um, uh, you know, some plants in my garden, and I can see, like, I can just almost read the expression on their face. I'm like, well, when are you gonna cut everything back? Right? And it's like, a, why? Why do I have to cut it back? I mean. this looks so
2: interesting so uh so yeah it's a matter of education and it's going to take a while it's going to take a a long while but you just keep talking about it don't cut it down let it let it stand
1: yeah but you find that too with your clients that you have to kind of keep yeah okay good oh yeah yeah, absolutely yeah yeah of course you know if
2: somebody if somebody has a larger property then i say well let's just leave this corner at least for uh you know to kind of yeah your quiet spot
1: yeah because if they're paying people to the other thing is when you're when there's somebody else cleaning up their garden right they want to get you know get their money's worth or the the company doing it feel like they need to do it all the way and and that's not the case anymore
2: yeah i know education
1: yeah education that's interesting. Have you noticed? Now you you is every design you
2: do have a pool or kind of involved with a pool? Oh, okay. Um, no, not at all. Although, okay. you know, the, for a long time, swimming pools where I live, which is um, New York outside of New York City, north of New York City, pools were not popular at all. In fact, it was like nobody was doing pools. Now with the COVID and people staying home, there's yeah. more of a call for it. And yep. of course, with every pool that I do, there's also gardens. I mean, it's, you know, what people don't, they, they tend to focus on that little hole in the ground filled with water. And what I try to tell people, I said, listen, once that's in, you're going to be sitting there looking across the water at whatever is on the other side. <laughs> you yeah, know, and, and, and so the landscape, the outdoor setting, the garden, whatever you might call it, that is just, if not more important than mm-hmm. than that hole filled with water.
1: Yeah, and that's education, too, because it's also booming here. I've never designed as many pools as I'm learning, like, by my seat of my pants uh, the last year or so. And But pe- because the yards are much smaller, and they're, of course, wanting the biggest pool they could possibly fit, so they don't want to give up space for plants and stuff, and I just... And not necessarily my designs but i see some of the other jobs that are being done and i just look and i'm like oh my exactly that like you're just going to be looking at this fence you know exactly so it's uh yeah it's it's very interesting this new trend with pools it's it's really incredible actually
2: well you know what it is is the people are feeling like they're stuck into their little world around their house and they're just going to make it their uh the
1: resort yeah yeah I think the travel you know everybody's kind of re- realizing and also I think having everybody be home for a year and a half made them realize that they are waste they have wasted that space in their backyard for how many years right right
2: by just right. cutting
1: the grass and setting up a patio table but that they could really be living back there so I think that's exciting and a complete segue from talking about your book but, yeah, <laughs> just but, no, but, it. but pool design is a whole nother
2: topic isn't it
1: Yes. Yes. Is that your next book, Jen? We have. So, I, should, we I, really,
2: I have so many opinions about that you can't imagine. You know, <laughs> people put so much money into a pool. I mean, it's a very expensive investment. And um, you know, like I always say, you can spend the same amount of money on bad design as you can on good design. Mm. And boy, you see a lot of examples of bad or crazy, over the top yeah. design.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to quote you on that one because, yeah, oh, so yeah,
0: it's so exactly.
2: so
1: true. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. True. That is for sure. That was for sure. So Matt was saying that um, your book, is it Topia or Florotopia, Matt? You were saying you saw on the Guelph's um, curriculum. Oh, Um. yeah. Um. Uh, you that's
2: know
0: what? Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I. Glardentopia. I thought it was Garden Topia. Actually, yes. As I was thinking about a, of our pre-show talk, um, every once in a while I just like to Google what the big uh, you know design universities or colleges are offering for their books in their curriculum, and yeah. uh, I did that about a month or so ago and noticed that one of your books, I think it was Garden Topia. Was uh, on that long list from the University of Guelph of those uh, recommended uh, reading lists. So, well,
2: that that makes my day right there. Wow!
0: Yeah, that's I'll tr- I'll try to find that list or that page that I was on it and send it to you. But I was yeah. like, Oh, hey, I would Jan. love that, know, Jan. Yeah, <laughs> That's
2: well, awesome. you know, it makes sense because the in- impetus for the book came from a college class, right? Mm. That I was teaching, so I wrote it kind of with the college students in mind. or not as oh. a college students, but just anybody who's studying design yeah.
1: In yeah oh that's great and yeah i think very much a, a resource book because you'd mentioned coffee table book but for me there's there's too many words like it's not just it, the pictures are beautiful don't get me wrong but there's so much information which i think yes. is great you know yeah. um now, I have to say, as far as on the show, I often talk about how I'm, I'm I wouldn't am i say anti-annuals, but I'm not a big, like, using <laughs> annuals a lot, right, Matt? Like, that's one thing that, um, but I, but you really kind of uh, impressed upon them in a different way, and you've also put perennials in containers. That was something you recommended.
2: Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, you're right. You, you are part of a very big group, Joanne, the people who hate annuals. And I don't quite understand it because annuals. Oh, look, Matt's nodding. Said annuals <laughs> give you so much return on in your your time and your and your investment. I mean, they're still blooming. We were. <laughs> it's November, and my my uh, assistant Danielle and I were out on a job today, and we saw ger- red geraniums blooming happily away, and it's November. I mean, yeah. and they've been going strong since when, May? I mean, yeah. and now they're, okay, technically they're not an annual. Okay, we're going into all that craziness. But oh, yeah, still and yeah. all, um, yeah. it, uh, so, so and so, so I have to put in the word for annuals. Okay. They really are the workhorses of a flower garden mm-hmm. and and where you have your gorgeous cone flowers, echinacea, that they do their thing in, in mid, mid to late summer, but then they go away you know but they're great they're wonderful they're part of the ecosystem they're fabulous the colors but then those annuals they just keep on Mm -hmm. you know you got the the lowly mundane marigold but boy oh boy they just keep blooming their heads off so yeah
1: yeah i guess i i do say i do put like i like them in containers i don't know i feel like having them in the ground then they're taking up space from other shrubs. And and I tend to be a shrub girl. I will give you
2: that. You're absolutely right about that. They're great in
1: containers. Yeah. Yeah. And I tend to be a shrub girl. I love that. I love that there's so many shrubs nowadays that do two things. I always tell my clients, you know, two things, right? Something like a Wigilia that'll bloom in the spring, but then it has burgundy foliage or something that, you know, blooms in the spring and has fall color, that type of thing. So I tend to gravitate to those plants, but you do need, it is nice to have those pops of color and, and wow in the garden for sure.
2: For sure. Yeah. And they could just, that could just be it. They could be little pops, you know, You can put Mm -hmm. little hybrid begonias amongst um, the the ferns and brunera Mm -hmm. and whatever, you know, that's a perennial, right? Brunera. Um, Yep. (laughs) I, I, you know, I don't, the audience, I don't know, but, but um, just put a little pop of color every once in a while. It just lights up the whole, the whole scene. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. We do have, um, Matt was noticing, he was waving to me that we have a couple of questions. So um, we have uh, a fan. So John has uh, written in. Um, and says, "Wow, I'm a big fan of Jan's, and I'm so oh. glad she's on the show tonight. Thank you." Oh, great, so,
2: John! Yeah. Hi, John.
1: <laughs> so that is great. And um,
0: we've got a question from Larry. Okay, um, Larry. Kind of going. I think we were talking about our landscape designs and pools and stuff at the time, but uh, Larry was just wondering, and I don't know if Jan would comfortable sharing with it, but just hi, I'm just curious. It's the most expensive landscape design that Jan has ever done? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) goodness. (laughs) That's like,
2: you know, we know what's interesting about that. I'll tell you, money is such a funny thing uh, because, you know, it's all it's all frivolous. Everything we do Mm -hmm. to many people seems frivolous. Of course, not to me. I feel that outdoor settings are, you know, beautiful outdoor settings elevate our spirit in a way that nothing else can by the way i would love to put that that i mean nothing else can match how you feel in a vibrant landscape with the with you know full-grown trees and the breeze blowing Um, there's nothing i don't care what the fanciest spa you can go to i still think outdoor garden is is a bit of heaven but um so so I guess I guess it would be um the time we put in a sixty five foot long swimming pool. Wow. And, wow. um and we and it was we had to build up the land like twenty five feet because it was such a hill. I mean, it was very I can't remember the numbers, but suffice it to say it was silly money
1: okay but it was a lot of work right like i think that's the thing is we're not picking the number for the de- cost of the design out of our head like we're right. it, it comes back to time right and and the right. hours and the complication of of designing something if you had to go
2: twenty, oh oh my goodness right? i would much prefer to do the smaller projects because you know they're so much easier and you get so much instant satisfaction you know Yeah, The the big projects nowadays, what you have to go through just to get them through approval process is Mm -hmm. painful. Yeah. I mean, even in the course of the last five years where I live, it's just gotten so onerous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Do you take care of all the pool permits
2: and all of that? Well, we do. Yeah, I don't want to, frankly, I know. because you know I just want to talk about marigolds and, yeah. and you know and yeah, palm know. But no, yeah, we do actually.
1: Yeah, 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 that's that's you. We want to deal with the fun stuff, and sometimes, so for a listener who's talking about the expense, but because sometimes even a small yard in a small um, setting could be expensive too, because now every inch counts, right? And that's access is you know access is challenging, and there's a lot like. People with small yards still want all of the same things, right? They want the sitting area. They want the fire pit, want the outdoor kitchen. But now we got to kind of like look at every inch. And so that too can be, a, you know, a pricey design. That's true. That's
2: true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, we have another question as well. Um, oh, and I apologize. I don't have a name, but uh, this listener asks, uh, hello, does Jan sign her books if requested? Oh, yes. Uh, how about do we get doing that? And maybe we can see where we find your books. Uh, as the guest is saying, Christmas is just around the corner.
2: Oh, I would love to sign the books. What you can do is just direct message me on Instagram. Can I give my Can I give my Instagram sure. address? Yep. It's at John Sen Design. That's one J-O-H-N-S-E-N Design. So, just direct message me at Johnson Design, or you can also find me on uh, Facebook, um, which is also Johnson Design. Excellent. And we'll have that in the show notes too. We'll
1: have all your contact info. Great. In our but show And I'd love notes to sign too. it
2: and send it off to you. No problem. That's great.
1: Um, and Shelly has written in, she's saying that she sees you started in, or you're located in near New York City. Yeah. What are the design distances that you would go? Oh. she's about she's about 200 miles away from New
2: York State. And she loves your work. Oh, thank you so much. I just I I, I was very, very lucky and I got to do a project in Malibu, California. Ooh. So. Um, and I do Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and I just, you know, so I'll go, I'll, I'll go anywhere. Excellent.
1: Pittsburgh, I'll go anywhere. Oh, good. So well, there you I go, like uh, Shelly. <laughs> yeah.
2: So feel free, Shelly, feel free to contact me. But anyway, let's talk more about things that people are interested in.
1: Yeah, it's more about, right. flor- well, let's talk about more about flowers. So okay, great. Um, one thing that stood out to me too, in this is, um, and I never thought of it before, but you talked about I was like, I wrote notes to myself with page numbers. So page 132, but you talked about (laughs) plants with umbels. Oh, isn't that great? I know. And I actually don't use them. And I, you know, Queen, it's one of those things. Queens and lace is kind of controversial, right? Like, is it a weed? Is it a plant? Is it, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but you mentioned some other plants that have an umbel. And although who doesn't love an allium as well? And I never
2: pictured that in the same group. And um yeah, and so you- some and some of the uh native alliums like uh nodding onion, allium cernum. Do you know that one? No. It's, it's oh it's it's a great allium, flowering, and it's perfect for erosion control on hills. Um, and it's not the big lollipop alliums that everybody seems to know, right? Well yeah. master, sensation. Although I love all of them, trust me, I love all the alliums. I think I have one thing, I think I have a tip here about alliums too, but um Bronze fennel—that's a great uh, plant that has a beautiful umbel, and, and I guess what umbel people may not know what that is, but it's kind of like an umbrella-shaped flower. You know, that's where the word umbrella and umbel mm-hmm. are very similar. And you can see it even on carrots. You know, carrot—if you grow vegetables, carrots have umbels. And like you were saying about the queen anne's lace, which I adore. There is mm-hmm. one that I feature here with a photo, which is a cultivar and it's called Dara and it's, it's pink. So it's oh, like a okay. pink, more, more, um more contained Queen Anne's lace. Okay. Photo
1: <laughs> I like the way you word it that
2: way. Not as invasive, more contained. Yes, it <laughs> it's, contained right. it's all about perspective. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so yeah, umbels are, are really wonderful. I think uh, oh and another one, another umbel flower is one called angelica. It's the Korean angelica, it's very tall, very fabulous. I mean you want to make a statement in your garden, add some angelica to okay. those five feet tall. Wow. fabulous, um fabulous flowers on it. So look at that. And you talk talk a little bit about how they're how important they are
1: to pollinators.
2: Right, that's exactly right. This is a, they're almost designed strictly for pollinators. They're in the Apeaceae family, I can get into this, which stands for what? A-P-I, it stands for bees. So it is a massively great flower for a pollinator garden, any kind of umble. Yeah. That, Does that. That is good. So so the name of that tip is called Fun with Umbles.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Fun with umbels. Uh, yeah, there were so
1: many tips. Well,
2: here's here's another tip that your audience might be interested in. You know, everybody loves Pete Aldolf. You know, the Dutchman who introduced mm-hmm. that whole. Well, he, he was one of the Dutch wave or New Wave uh, gardeners. He though is the one that everybody adores, and he introduced the mixing and matching of perennials. He's the one who kind of opened our eyes to admiring the, the quiet season with the flowers the brown season mm-hmm. the system is saying is brown is also a color you know mm-hmm. so i have a tip called pete Aldoff's garden design tips and um, he his the quote i start with he said my biggest inspiration is nature i do not want to copy it but to recreate the emotion."
0: Mm. wow
2: isn't that great it's all about a feeling i mean if you mm-hmm. if you can create a feeling with your gardens you know through garden design then you're successful mm. it's it's more that's what it's more about the feeling than the look even people yeah. of course don't know that they're focused on the looks but really in the final analysis it is like the, what pete adolf said is to recreate the emotion yeah and, yeah and and so some of his tips was um Plant hardy perennials that withstand harsh weather, you know, plant Mm -hmm. the durable ones. Choose structure plants, sturdy, long-blooming perennials and grasses that can be cut down in early spring, just like Matthew was talking about, not in the fall. Plant up to 70% of your garden with the sturdy, long-blooming perennials and repeat them in large swaths, spaced around evenly like the, the coneflowers is, is one of his structural plants.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we plant the remaining 30% of the garden with filler plants that provide feathery or airy texture. And that could be certain grasses, iris, sedum, or mountain mint, which is a Um, And then he also says, encourage plants to self-sow among themselves, kind of the way, um, say, Cosmos does. Right? Oh, okay, so yeah yeah and lastly he says plan out the successive blooms through the year predetermine the location of spring flowers followed by the summer and the fall of flowers so predetermine that as you plan okay yeah that's uh so those are the tips i included in the book yeah
1: i I love his brown is a color that's it was a nice memory yeah, that is a really good memory right now to remember that because, yeah. um, and I've been to the high, well, only in winter, but I've been to the High Line in New York, which he designed, that's um, right. but I've only been able to go in the winter.
2: Oh my goodness. So well, really are learning how to appreciate the beauty inherent in all the seasons, right? I mean,
1: for sure. For sure. Well, like I, went, to- I
2: went to Chicago to the Lurie garden, which he also designed, but I went okay. in, in January. Same thing. Yeah yeah nice. I mean when when a else can we day travel day. right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah right
1: yeah yeah I went in January as well so yeah when else can a landscape designer travel it's unfortunately in January so
0: yeah, uh,
1: you know so that is good um, so right after Uh, you also talk about Monet and I have to confess that I Mm -hmm. I still think of him only as a painter as well but you wrote about how he actually was he I didn't realize that he created those gardens he painted
2: I'm so glad that that I I opened your eyes to that because that really is in some it really if you think about it he's almost as great a landscape a garden designer as he is a painter which is saying a lot because he's a fabulous artist but his he created his garden in Javerny, which is what about 40 miles outside of Paris yeah he actually even there's a a pond and all that you see in his paintings because what he did was he created the garden so that he could paint it which is wild right wild but he, he was so sensitive to color, and this is what I talk about. I'm trying to find it in the book here right now. you know what number that uh, is?
1: Page 144.
2: Oh, yes, here it is. And uh, he was so sensitive to color that both on the canvas and in his garden that he created uh, like experimental areas to experiment with colors and what they look like, you know, against each other, contrasting with each other. Yeah, you and mentioned paint box. You called it like a paint box? He called them this paint box flower beds, and he created 38 of them. And those were like his experiments where he would just experiment with different color uh, up against each other, or the color and the texture and the height. And he studied how the light would, uh, through the day, change the colors, similar to what he does in his in his paintings. Yeah, wow. no, Monet really is one of the great garden designers, in my opinion.
1: Excellent. And I love that you said to, you know, for people, why don't we install a few experimental beds for your own trial uh, flower trials? And I think that's a way that I think a lot of people do that in containers, right? Like, everybody yeah. switches their containers every year and, and, uh, and that type of thing. And I know what the we skipped over the beginning of the book where you talk about the different types of containers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that concept is kind of similar to what I mean, not 38 of them (laughs) although I'm sure there's people out there with property and they might have 38 pots but uh um... you know you you're
2: absolutely right our our containers our experiments are really our planters aren't they And, Mm -hmm. and the reason I started the book with with flowers and pots and planters is because if nothing else if you only have a small little terrace area you can create a magical world just by containers and planters right
1: and yeah that's true
2: and and, i mean you don't have to have access to a garden i grew up in apartments in new york city i know what it's like and you cherish those containers more than anything you know because that's what you have.
1: that's right yeah that's not so we we often talk about that like what's happening in my garden versus what's happening in his balcony garden you know and it, it's true right um and even with some of the smaller um, properties and smaller developments of, you know, townhomes, that type of thing. You know, it's a little bit of grass and and there's not a room for a garden, but people can do a lot in,
2: in pots. Um, That's why I focused on that in the beginning yeah. of the book just so much. It's like, hey, look, here's this great flower, Caliber Though, a million bells, you know, mm-hmm. put this in a little pot and it just goes and goes and has every, they have all different kinds of patterns and and colors. I mean, yeah, there's there's so many great plants that you flowering plants plants you can enjoy yeah.
1: all the time yeah that you can do and you're right especially the way the seasons are going and they're you know things are still blooming in november yeah. you know it's it's really incredible that you can do that um do you you did do you talk about perennials and pots though too do you have some yes. favorite perennials that you like to put in containers okay
2: let me think about
1: that <laughs> oh, I'll
0: put you on the spot why that? don't I let, Why don't we let Jan think about that, because that's a okay. wonderful question um, that I've gotten a lot of, and I'm going to just uh, take a minute to jump in and uh, say thank you, everyone, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. Uh, And if you're just tuning in, we are talking with landscape designer and author Jan Johnson about her wonderful new book, Floratopia. And of course, I'm sure her other books, her other wonderful books will come up again before the hour is out. So don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is there, Are at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. And when we're off the air, you can always find us here at instudio101 at gmail.com. So hopefully mm-hmm. that kind of took the spot off of Jan and she has some of her favorite perennials and containers recommendations.
2: Yes, I, I actually was thinking, what did I do in my yard, my own yard? And I did heliopsis, which is a type of sunflower. Mm. And I put that in a, in a pot this year, you know, surrounded with lantana, which is an annual in my part of the world. But um, it's still going strong. It's still blooming, crazy. Wow. Like, but and also foliage plants in terms of plants that come back, I love to plant um, golden creeping jenny, Lisa oh, okay. Yeah. And I put that in pot as you probably do too. You put that in pots and it overwinters where I, it overwinters where I live in New York and comes back the next year and and it hangs over the pot like yeah. this beautiful kind of yellow green waterfall. So. Does
0: that kind of right. I have to say, I love using that one too, and I have a very glossy, um, kind of a turquoise green pot um, that's out there, and a beautiful fern in the middle, and then just all around the edges, just like you said, it's just dripping over and spilling down onto the balcony, and little pops of the pot color are poking through. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yes, and every single year without fail, the Creeping Jenny just pops up and just welcomes me with that bright gold and just keeps doing her thing, and it's wonderful.
2: And I also use a wintergreen. Oh, is that what it's called? Wintergreen has in pots, and it overwinters. It comes back the next year. It's in a sheltered outdoor spot. So I have that with the Creeping Jenny, so it looks great. Oh,
1: great! Yeah, I have creeping. I have um like rocks and like natural stone steps to my front door, and there's like little pockets of of space in those rocks, and I have creeping Jenny, so that you know kind of covers and cascades <laughs> on those rocks by my front door. So that's uh, so I have it not in containers, but I do love creeping it does Jenny. Take
2: over though. It does take over
1: yeah i think the rocks slow it down a little bit and i have unfortunately the natural stone steps um i was joking with the contractor today because was like do you see there's like a gap and i'm like do you see the little welcome sign that says welcome chipmunks so the chipmunks go under my steps and pull out all the screening so they've over the years they've pulled out all the screening oh. and so that you know so i think the screening and the rocks kind of help slow creeping jenny down a little bit but uh yeah it's, it's a good plant and i love anything that will work in both situations you know
2: you know it's another great one is sedum angelina. Mm, you know
1: that's yes. that yellow green color. Yeah.
2: Great in pots, comes back right. Also works well in rock gardens. Same kind okay. of tough, durable, low-growing plant that you can yeah.
1: use both. Yeah, sedums are great, especially I think when we say sedum, a lot of people think of just the big autumn joy, yeah, and autumn. and there's so many low, spreading, really kind of quirky, interesting as uh, sedums.
2: Yeah, I had I like this one sedum called sedum blue spruce, and I put it in a plant list. And the people say to me, "Blue spruce? Are you kidding?" Of course, <laughs> it was sedum blue spruce. It was a little blue oh. growing blue spruce,
1: you know. So. That's funny. Well, Matt, you um for my own yard, you had when uh, you had recommended dazzleberry, and oh, so that's a really beautiful. nice. I was just yeah, I love it.
2: Oh, beautiful! And the sun sparklers, they're great. Yeah, and that's yeah. a variety of sedum. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Do you think most sedums would survive over winter in the pot? I think some
2: of them will. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. You know, I think you'll find a lot of hardy ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: That is interesting. So, when you're designing your perennials in containers, what are your recommendations? Do you do anything to protect them or help them over winter um, for them? Just with well, you always know, that for, freeze thaw. To be thaw? perfectly
2: honest with you. With yeah. the containers, I'll, I'd like to like if I'm doing deer resistant. Oh, deer resistance is a big deal. I don't, do you have an issue
1: where you we're yeah we're gonna come to that one. That, that one wanna end with the deer okay, resistant because okay, that's I'll, a big that one. So we'll come back to end. that.
2: that <laughs> but but uh, a lot of the the planches that I do, I I do like to do the the flowers because they bring the flowers up close to your eye. You know, mm-hmm. like John was saying, rather than being in a bed. So for most of my containers I I will do a lot of annuals like say for example New Guinea and Patience. they they do great in half shade conditions and the colors are spectacular and luxurious yeah but of course now November this is right now is when we would clean out the pots put them away so I right. don't keep a lot of pots out during the winter frankly okay I do have uh, like if I do like the heavy duty stone pots um, and they do stay out by the front doors. It's usually with boxwoods in them and then and then things around it or for winter time. Um, when you can't do the flowers, I'll I'm sure you do the same thing. You, I cut the evergreen boughs off of overgrown plants nearby and stick the yeah. evergreen boughs in the pots. Do you do that too? Yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 So that's what I do. Okay. Okay. Um, wonderful.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Just um, think. Yeah, there's so many tips I, in the book, you know, to focus on type yeah, of thing. Any page,
2: right?
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I think you're right. So when you do a design, will you also spec some some of those uh, annuals for a garden? Oh, like yeah. Like for your, like, yeah, do you really? Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, you that's know, one thing, people okay so I did study landscape architecture back in the 70s in, 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 in college I came out and I was going to work in landscape architecture office way back when this was remember you know back with pen and ink with rapidograph pens oh my god what a mess <laughs> and um but I realized I didn't know anything about planting I mm. as, you know I knew I had to do pretty pictures I didn't know anything about planting and so I went to work for a French gardener up at a resort hotel near near where I live called Mohunk Mountain House, and his name was Alain Gramberg. and he had come to this country from France, and he had been he had been trained there, and he was relatively young, and he had worked in the gardens of Versailles. Wow. And then he came here, and I got to work for him, so I learned all the European horticultural techniques from Alain. And we planted 20,000 flowers that we grew from seed. Wow. Can you imagine? I mean, That's I spent amazing. weeks with the Dibble or just transplanting. So oh I God. learned so much about planting flowers that mm. I include flowers in all my projects because I, I know about them, you know? Yeah. I, I know how to plant them. And in my book, I do share how you create the beds for the flowers, because, you know, really, it's all about the soil, as you guys mm-hmm. know. It's all about mm-hmm. the soil. Yeah, and, I read about
1: uh, the rake, how you talked about the, yes.
2: the house. The rake, right? Yeah. i rake master. Yeah, the rake master.
0: Yeah. And you're so true. It is just like it's that art. It's a skill. It's an art. Yeah.
2: And when you see somebody who knows how to do it, you just say, take it, do it, go. And then, <laughs> and then some other person will pick up the rake, and you look at them, and you go, oh, no, you don't got it. You know, yeah, <laughs> give me the rake. Me the, Put, right? it down. Put it, it, down. Is, it yeah. It's an art. It's it's like the way they talk about chefs with cutting the onions and whatever. Mm-hmm. How, I I wish I knew how to do that. The way they cut, you know. Yes. That's oh, yeah. That's how it is with us in our profession with the rakes. Right. Right. Same <laughs> idea. It's, a, it's yeah. a skill. It's a skill, and you've got to master it. You've got to become a rake master. <laughs> and you hold it up high, and you. And it takes out the small pebbles. You hold it down low, and it, you pull the soil. And yep. uh, I said, "Use in my book, I say use a bow rake." Did you get that?
1: No, what? I didn't get that
2: part. Yes. So you, you, there's all these different kinds of metal rakes. Okay. What kills me is when these guys. I say, "Do oh, you have a rake?" And I, And and by the way, I have to speak Spanish because where I am, everybody that does my kind of work is Spanish. Oh, so okay. That. So I have to say it in Spanish, but and they'll show me a leaf rake. And I would say no. I mean, mm-hmm. no, that's not a rake. That's you know for the leaves. That's... So first of all, you have to have an, a, a sturdy metal rake, but you should have a bow rake, which is the way the head is connected to the uh, the stick, right, to the pole. It, it okay. and I show pictures in the right. So it's not where it's just directly welded straight into the into the handle. Yeah at a bow um, connector to, to the Right.
0: Handle. I yeah. saw a
2: photo of it somewhere in the book.
0: It almost reminds me of like a little parentheses that comes out of the handle. and Yes, there you are. That's, the exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's a
2: great example. But those yeah. are more, those those are able, they won't, the handle won't break and they're more able to uh, go up and down with the um, soil and you can pull more, more soil with it. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 I know I treasure mine for my projects and helping right? people clean yeah I <laughs> take it with me every single time yeah
2: and I hope everyone <laughs> knows that they should oil the handles of all their tools over the winter right with linseed oil
1: so Ooh, they linseed oil okay so they don't
2: dry and crack out yeah yeah, yeah. otherwise they'll crack
1: yeah yeah
2: it's good so anyway. I wonderful. think the
1: interesting thing about adding um, annuals and po- for your customers, so I'm thinking back. I don't do that for my my designs, but I feel like you you're leaving them with instant, right? Because that is one of the challenges when you finish a, a installing par- plants. You know, it looks okay the first
2: year, right? Like it looks okay, this but is, I see this all the time. I you know, nobody comes and says, "Oh, what a great paving pattern! Oh, what wonderful pitch you have for the drainage! It's so nice that you <laughs> thought about that, right?" nobody says that they just say oh what kind of flowers in that pot that's all yeah. if I put the flower, potted flowers in there because that's all anybody will see they don't care that you calculated how many steps you need to get from here to there they don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah that's true that's true yeah I, tried I mean, to, well even in the, the garden
2: calculated on my yeah
1: point. I mean there's a lot of landscapers that design and do really great work but they don't pay any attention to the design, uh, to the gardens, right? And I always say, like, nobody, yeah, nobody driving by stops that stops their car to look to look at the paving pattern or what color the brick is. But they'll exactly. stop to look
2: at the
0: plants, right? Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: You Where know. worry that flagstone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I like I like the step edge that you use. That kind of rock face edge. Word.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but we. Oh. It is changing because when you first install, you know, the garden has, because then they, the clients hate you in two or three years when the plants grow, right? So you kind of have to really, that's the dance of a designer is like, you know, it's going to look okay the first year, but it's going to look better as it grows, and as it fills in. So it's, it's kind of educating the homeowner and managing their expectations.
2: Well, I, when I first started out, I was very good at placing them exactly where they go so that they'll look good as they grow in well that didn't go over too well with my clients (laughs) I was so (sighs) earnest about all this and they said well why are they spaced so far apart oh no they'll grow their the mature height and everything I said just wait in five years and of course they said I don't want to wait five years yeah so I now plant them too close together and I say to people I said in five years you're gonna have to relocate these plants because it'd be too close to okay all right that's what Ooh. i because they, they people just are not patient no and this, right and it's gotten worse everybody it's gotten worse it yeah. is
1: right? it yeah is. yeah for sure
2: and a, a lot of the dwarf varieties
1: too which aren't going to get as big which means they're not going to get as big so you need to plant more of them right to fill right. you know to fill in kind of yeah. thing so i mean yeah I, i'm
2: sure it's 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 not the right way to do it. I admit to you right now, but that's what happens.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, you want to leave um, with the client happy. Right. So those are the yeah. types of things that you have to but kind you, of adjust.
2: And you have to tell people. You have to say, this is planted too close together, but you know, you have to, if you don't tell them, yeah. that, I think that's the bad thing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. No, would
2: I do that for my house? probably <laughs> probably
1: you know just, i'm impatient also I think. yes no no as am <laughs> i as i'm i so yeah um so we have so i did say i wanted to talk about because it's a popular question and it's a popular dilemma for many um and i know you write a lot about it about deer resistant plants
2: oh absolutely deer resistant flower gardens in florantopia are my just favorite so so deer resistant uh Plants is just that they're deer resistant. We do not guarantee it, right? We don't never say deer proof because you just Mm -hmm. don't know. In my area, deer do not eat Pacassandra, but yes, they have in certain cases. So you just cannot say they don't need it, right? I used to say, Oh, they don't eat peonies. Oh, but then they went and ate peonies. You just you can't you can't win. So deer resistant with a big asterisk, right? But you can create beautiful flowers. Gardens, I have a whole thing here on deer resistant flowers, but you know, you use the perennial salvias, which are fabulous, right? And you want to mix them with deer resistant iris and um, and um, what was the other one I was going to say, and spireas, which are not in a flower, but and the yellow spireas, it makes a beautiful, beautiful uh, seed along with, and again, I talk about all this stuff. the um what was it called? 12 verbena verbena ben- benariensis oh right? yes
1: verbena yes mint as well you mentioned catmint
2: oh yeah and catmint of course right yeah mm. but but verbena benariensis i love i use a lot of that
0: right i one of my favorites all-time favorites
2: right and now they have the smaller ones too like the which i talk about right the purple yes yes yeah and it's a great pollinator plant right oh okay. it's a great pollinator plant yep so so there's a lot of deer resistant plants you can use and it's just a matter of you know do it in great big swaths to create a effect. for example the good old dependable I did a whole thing on that the a whole tip on the dependable astilbees right and the astilbes they grow in the shade they're deer resistant and if you plant all the different varieties together you can get a constant display
1: of stobies for at least two months at least oh wow that's a good idea i did not know they were resistant
2: yeah well at least where i live again yes yes
1: and that is the thing so yes what might be different i mean even though in ontario we're, we also have many areas that have the deer issues it do, it really depends i was told uh and we've talked about it on the show about something um, furry and fragrant like you know if there's a te- like russian sage that has a texture catmint kind of right. has a texture and both have a fragrance that those tend to be things um and the
2: furry furry like lamb's ears they do like ear. that right so so they don't need those Cleomys, spider flower another mm, really? great ear resistant plant and again you know you, you mix the Cleomys with the cosmos with the Marvina binariensis, they have this beautiful kind
0: of meadowy, airy uh, look. You know, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm. Sp- you can see me on camera, but I'm so excited that like Jan's into the annuals because like Joanne, <laughs> you said you, you're you're <laughs> not know. more you're more shrubby person. So yeah, yeah These okay, are all- so. What I'm talking about. Well,
2: yeah. the, the, that's why yeah. I wrote the book on floristopia. <laughs> Now I'm thinking about um uh, more perennials to just keep Joanne happy let's see um, <laughs> no I feel bad because poor Matt is like wanted to
1: talk more about annuals and I'm always like Debbie Downer you know kind of thing like wah. but uh, but no know. and
2: now I'll google Verbena I'll look it up I'll, I don't know oh you would love that one <laughs> yeah actually Verbena binariensis is a self-seeder and so yeah, if we you can. like that idea but they do sell uh varieties that do not self seed like the new yeah. ones right yeah yeah, I, I love those. But but I have a whole section on on perennials. I don't want you to think that I'm not into perennials. Like baptisia, oh my goodness, I have a whole thing called mad mad for baptisia. And then what about the fall blooming anemones too? And I think baptisia mm. is deer resistant too. I I believe. Yeah, I and I so. think you said anemone was too. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. Again, I always put that asterisk. You know, yeah. Our area, right? Yeah, i love yeah. i love 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 fall blooming anemones mixed with toad lilies yes. i have a photo of it right here that i'm mm. looking at that i took yeah I yes keep matt loves photos. his
0: toad lilies don't you matt <laughs> i love myself a toad lily i can't i, lie. I
2: love fall flowering i just love it i yes. you know I, anything in the fall I, fall to me is is the best so with the fall blooming anemones mixed with the Toad lilies, and then the grasses, the ornamental grasses, and yeah. the flowers. You can't get better than that, right? I have a picture here of cosmos um, blooming with, um, I think it was a, a vertical grass like a Carl Foster. mm mm-hmm. um, Beautiful, just beautiful, and that and that is uh, deer resistant as well.
1: Well, that's great. I think that's good for people to know that there are a lot of um, flowering plants that. Uh, um you know because people think of oh well it eats my cedar and it eats my hosta and it you know what I mean they're they're thinking of those kind of what I would call a little bit more boring you know so I think because <laughs> they they are eating those things and they think oh for sure they would eat why would I bother with flowers because they're just going to eat those yeah. too so I think that's well, kind of exciting for people to know right
2: absolutely absolutely and there's adjuratum which a deer do, don't eat and um again there's um Perennial adjuratum and there's also an annual adjuratum. I love ajuradums okay. because that I can plant. Now they do like hot weather ajuradums, but the deer don't touch them. So if you mix um with another wonderful one, which is annual vinca, annual vinca. You know oh, okay, one? annual
0: vinca. Yep. Yeah. Now the um, catharanthus.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That, that that's deer resistant, and I mix it with ajuradum. Oh, it looks
0: amazing. I would be stunning together, yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 So, and they're both deer resistant. So there's tons of things. You know, once you start looking at all this stuff, it's like, whoa. And of course, you know, the the one other thing I wanna say before we have to wrap up is <laughs> that one of the reasons I wrote this book was not just because I love flowers, but because of the whole pollinator situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Good.
2: Yeah. It really is a way to um help our pollinators just if we just plant flowers and and think about it like when when i grew up in new york city back when there were no flowers anywhere i mean i i didn't know a flower from anything because we just didn't have any flowers now it's a little bit different and so i just say to people more flowers please more flowers Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is
1: good Yeah, yeah no i think that is a great um Thing, a great movement that we're all a part of and that we can all encourage and and it's great to see how um, more in tune homeowners are about that too i get asked a lot about that so um, right it's
2: it's gone beyond you know my grandmother's garden into, right like, elevate our spirits lift us yes. up add color help the environment help the pollinators i mean yeah i mean we nature gave us these amazing creations right They're the mm-hmm. gems of the green world
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, we do have a couple other questions, Jan, from listeners. Um, Bretta is writing in and she says that she knows you were doing seminars before this COVID stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, does Do you have anything planned in 2022 and impossibly, in, in Toronto would be great, but in, in Erie, uh,
2: Pennsylvania
1: area? Erie, yeah, Pennsylvania, um,
2: my girlfriend just went to, um, actually what I'm going to be doing is in, in 2022, I'm going to start a whole uh, class, uh, you know, website classes for people. Oh, okay. Doing doing it virtually. Yeah, virtual classes for people. I'll be walking around the gardens and talking. I'd like to do it now, but it's the wrong time of year. So I'll be starting it and spraying and I'll be pushing it. I'll. I hopefully we'll be back with you guys talking yeah. about it.
1: Oh, that we would be great. We will make that happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how do you how do you fit that in during the crazy busy design season? You know what?
2: That's what my husband says, and I never have a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an answer for that one. It's just yeah. We I just don't do sleep,
1: it. right? We just don't yeah. sleep.
2: Yeah i just want to i just want to you know it's like before i do this mortal foil i just want to share what i've learned mm-hmm. And so
1: here i am sharing away excellent, the way.
2: excellent. Oh. well yeah. we have
1: another jan who's a new listener she's saying she's here from dryden ontario so that's near us um it's a very interesting show thanks for joining us jan and we we are we're glad you are uh, enjoying the show for your first time um
2: oh hi jan like your name
1: yeah, exactly. Um. So Jan, I. So this listener, Linda, has written. She wants a whole package of books. She wants Jan's and Joanne and Matthew's books for Christmas. So Jan, I don't know if you know Matthew and I have been talking about it. So we are head in, and and that's another thing. Where do we have time for that? But we've been heads down working on our first book. So. uh so, Oh really? Yeah. Do you have a name for it yet? Not really. Kind of. Sorta. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah. No. We, Yes. No.
1: Yes. <laughs> you
2: no. Know. You have to make it catchy. That's Garotopia, right, Sophia. Right. You That's right. Make it catchy.
1: Yes. Well, all your titles are amazing, actually. So we'll probably yeah. run, write it by you and make sure you okay. Jan approves. I'll, I'll, be, happy to, I'll okay. be happy to do that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So yes. So Linda, you know, stay tuned. You can buy Jan's books now, though, and you can wait. Be patient for 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 ours.
2: Yes. Please um, share all my contact
1: people. Oh, yes, definitely, and in, in our show notes, so so that right. is good.
0: And, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Matt. I was just going to quickly ask, as we run down the last couple of minutes, was there anything quickly you wanted to promote, uh, Jan, or give a shout-out to? Okay, so if,
2: if the people that listen to your show are Facebook junkies, the way I am, I get up mm-hmm. every morning and post on Facebook, So I have several Facebook pages I'd love to share with people. I wrote a book, as you know, called The Spirit of Stone. It's all about working with natural stone. So I have a Facebook page called The Spirit of Stone. It's only about stone. And every day I I post about that. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, So Spirit of Stone on Facebook. And also Heaven is a Garden on Facebook is another page. And serenity in the garden blog. Yeah, that's
1: your blog. You've been doing that a while, right? Serenity Serenity
2: in the garden. Serenity garden blog. Yep, yep. And now, of course, I'm on Instagram. Mm -hmm. you have to connect, right? Right. Yes, yep. And so, yeah, every day I
1: post on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely have all of that in your show notes. Um, yeah, yeah, so that people can find Perfect. you and track you down and of course your books and thank you so much for joining us I'm I'm oh. so excited I, I mean four books in this is great Jan um, I think you were the very first podcast I ever was on Julian. yeah was, I think what, so how many years ago eight it was well man i so next week this will be I was saying to Gary next week this will be eight years so he spent every Monday night with me um, and then four of them with Matt and I. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. That's so so and I'm you, so Jan. happy
2: you were named one of the best garden podcasts of 2020. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank
0: you very much thank for you that. Thank so much.
1: And yeah. uh, we'll definitely have you back in. So we'll have to time it so that you're not too, too busy. But to talk about landscape design, I think that'd be oh, a great topic. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, okay, let's great. definitely do that uh, in, in February, maybe before that gets crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, okay, so super. Okay, well, thank you for everything. Okay, bye okay. now.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw, and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.